Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast in our Scares and Dares episode where we review our favorite horror movie scare of the week, which this week will be the 2022 British movie Matriarch, and give you the player props that we dare to make in week eight of the NFL. With me as always for the Scares and Dares episode is my co-host and Football Garbage Time senior staff writer, Joanne Kong. Hey everyone! All right, I'm Hakun Wong. I'm the foot- I'm the editor in chief of Football Garbage Time, and we have so much to talk about today. Let's just get this rolling. All right, so let's start with our scare of the week: the aforementioned 2022 British film Matriarch, which is actually streaming on Hulu. It's actually billed as a Hulu original, believe it or not. And it runs a brisk one hour and 25 minutes. It was released just uh, last week. So brand spanking new on Hulu. And uh, this is a movie that's directed by Ben Steiner, produced by Ian O'Fallon and Ian Sharp, and written by Ben Steiner. And it is actually Ben Steiner's first directorial debut in terms of the horror genre. So it's quite interesting. So as usual, we're going to give you a little bit of background on this movie, with no spoilers, hopefully. And then we're going to tell you a little bit about what we thought about the movie and give you our ratings on it. And let's start by getting you that background. So the movie starts with Laura Birch, played by Jemima Ruper, getting ready to go to work at an advertising agency where we get a glimpse of her daily routine, which includes purging the food she's eaten, drinking lots of vodka, and hiding drugs in a nose dropper, which she apparently uses quite frequently throughout the day. Yeah. You know. And pretty clever, too. I guess, because we couldn't figure out what was in that thing for right. a while. We We're like, thought she had, like, a lot of allergies. Yeah, I'm like, well, she has a lot of allergies for England. I'm just saying, yeah. there's not a lot of plants there. I mean, like, <laughs> that is, like, I would never think that she would have put cocaine in there. And I can't, I'm not 100% sure how she got it out of there, quite frankly. I mean, like, how did you snort it out of that thing? Anyway, so logistical issues aside, Laura ends up having what appears to be a successful day at the ad agency and decides to ask her friend slash girlfriend over for a night of debauchery, which leads to an awkward exchange with Laura asking her friend to move in and her friend deciding to leave because it was getting too late. So not great for Laura. Late in quotes. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was basically the morning. I mean, it was like two in the morning, three in the morning, or something. Well, no, like that. she got really weird, and then her, and then her friend was like, she did get too much for me. She did get a little bit weird. Plus, she was uh, boozing it and coking it but pretty they both big. Were. They, they yeah, both were. but not to the level that Laura was. I mean, she was definitely on a rampage here. And she, and after uh, her girlfriend or her friend left, uh, she goes on a booze and coke infused bender which ultimately results in what appears to be a heart attack as she's preparing to get back to the office that morning. Um, as she's lying on the bathroom floor, though, Laura suddenly wakes up, perhaps with the help of a mysterious black substance, and things start to go sideways as Laura has what appears to be a nosebleed at work, but instead of blood, it's more mysterious black substance. Now, Laura decides to leave her job to return to her roots, accepting an invitation home from her estranged mother. Laura hopes the time away in the secluded English village where she grew up in will help her deal with her personal demons. She soon discovers that the locals of the town, though, are protecting an unspeakably dark secret, a secret that involves not only her mother, but her own terrifying destiny as well. Okay, so 
that's the background on the movie, and we'll stop there because obviously the rest would be a spoiler. Yes. And uh, let me ask you, what do you think about this movie? Um, at first, I was a little confused because I didn't know what was really going on. Right. Uh, but as soon as she got to the town, you kind of knew something was up. Like right. there would be whispers and conversations, and of course, she wasn't privy to them because she didn't live in the town. They were acting very, very shady. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, so you. So I'm conflicted because yeah. it was not, I liked the movie, mm-hmm. but for a long time, I was kind of like, what is going on here? I think that was kind of the point though, right? I mean, it, it kind of it had that allure of the, I mean, everyone thinks of this, and this is a little bit of a horror trope as well, right? When you're going to a secluded countryside village slash town, everybody's normal. You know, it, if it was a U.S. movie, it would be Americana. In, in 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 England, it's you know just the English countryside. Everyone's normal, but they're not. They're right. not. There's something underneath, something sinister underneath. And not. also, it was a very small town. Right. It was very small. Yeah. And that was also very weird. Like you would think you would see more people kind of bustling around. Well, I mean, because even for the smallest town. But they kind of explained that a right, little bit. Right. They do explain that later on in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, why that is. But, yeah, you kind of feel like, oh, something's not quite right in, you know, not quite right when you when you kind of go there. Right, right. I kind of had, and, and I don't know about you, but I had this feeling <laughs> of, of a, a weird flashback. I know this is not the same, but Hot Fuzz, Simon Pegg's Hot Fuzz in an English town where everything is normal, but they don't turn out to be devil worshippers yeah. or whatever. I mean, that's kind of, I mean, obviously, that's not what happens here, but I, I had that feel that, it, that Hot Fuzz was kind of making fun of, Kind of, you know, the English type. town. Right, exactly. Well, I think that was the weird thing about Hot Fuzz. And Hot Fuzz, it was like this quote unquote perfect town. Right. I mean, there was no graffiti, there was no garbage. They always Everyone won the, obeyed flower, the uh, flower competition. Yes. I mean, there were all these little things. Right. This town is not that way. No. Um, but you still, but there's still kind of uh, an eeriness. And maybe it's because you're almost kind of. Bringing, being brought into it with the um, with the main uh, actress. Well, right, right. So, and right, what, Laura, the, Laura Jemima, yeah. Jemima Rupert's character, Laura Bird. So, right. what she doesn't know, we don't know. Right. So, we're kind of in there with her. We're learning as we go. Right. For the first time. And we, like her, we also notice, like, weird things. The only difference is, is that she knows a lot of these people because she grew up in the town. Yeah, yeah. No, most definitely there is some, some of that going on there. And that's the interesting thing. The dynamic there is that she went there to be more comforted. But when she got there, she was a complete outsider. And, and, and there was no two ways about it. Everyone who saw her, because remember, she had an interaction with a neighbor where she, who apparently she stole fudge from when she was a kid. Younger, yeah. Yeah, and, and she was basically like, I don't like you. I yeah. mean, it was just like, it was overt. It wasn't yeah. even like, you know, we're going to cast sideways glances at you and right. make you feel uncomfortable. It was basically, we don't like you. Right. But she was there, and, and the mother was very, very welcoming to her. So I thought that was very interesting how they set it up. And I, I really did, uh, I think that they did a fantastic job of kind of setting up that, um, that uh, scene, so to speak. So what did you like most about the movie, and what did you like least about the movie? Um, the thing I liked most about the movie, I think, is um, Laura's mother. Yeah. Oh, uh, I agree. Uh, what, Kat, Kate Dickey? Kate Dickey, yep. Um, uh, the, her role was Catherine, and that was Laura's mother. I really liked Or, or Cecilia. Cecilia? Cecilia. So Catherine was from another movie. 
actually. Oh. Uh, it's actually from a movie, <laughs> The Witch, actually, which, which Kate Dickey was also in oh. and also played a very similar role, actually, um, but at which which I am going to talk about in a minute because I thought that was a very interesting um, use of uh, actresses. But, yes, her name is Celia it's in the Celia. movie. It's Celia. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yep. So, yeah, that was my bad. But um, regardless of the fact, like, I thought she did a great job Fantastic in job. this movie. Mm-hmm. And she really just kind of made it because she made the whole movie feel kind of eerie. Yes. And I don't want to give anything away, but I mean, she's just doing some crazy stuff. Right. Which you're just like, what the hell is going on yeah, here? Yeah, yeah. In a, a, a worse actress would have made it laughable. I think so, yes, yes. Yeah, and, and she really did care. And she can, can create anxiety in any scene. Like, I think that's the thing is that she's able to create anxiety in any scene. And she did that in The Witch from 2015, another, horror, another slow burn horror movie where she played the mother there, Catherine, as you pointed out <laughs> earlier today. And, and, and she, not Cecilia. Not Celia. And she actually did a great job. I mean, like many of the scenes in The Witch, uh, a lot of the scariest scenes in the movie actually occurred off screen. And the only thing that we had, only cue we had as to how terrifying it was, was Dickie's response on camera. And she can really build that suspense. She can build that anxiety. She was also in Game of Thrones, actually. Yes. She created the crazy, crazy yeah. on. So, um, but and, I think it's her look. Yeah. Like, she just has, like, this look about her where she looks perfectly normal, but yes. also not. Absolutely. There was yeah. an outside veneer of, I'm concerned for you, you're my daughter, uh, contrasted a very strong undercurrent of, I hate and disdain you. Yeah. It was, like, very, it's very clearly both was there at the same time. Right. And I think that uh, it takes a lot of uh, uh, skill in order to emote those things at the same time. So great job. I think we agree there. Kate Dickey, also my favorite part of the movie. Oh, really? <laughs> and as well as the atmosphere. I think they did a great job with the atmosphere, uh, setting the scene for all the uh, resulting uh, things that happened that just kind of get crazy. So what do you like least about the movie? Um, I don't know if this is giving – I guess it's not really giving it away, but like the black substance. Okay. Yeah. I mean – I just I, didn't understand it. Well, so that's what I, that's why I like it the least. I, guess, I, I don't, I mean, so this is part of the movie though. I mean, like, I know it's part of the movie, but like even all the way to the end, I was just like, I, I just don't, I just don't know. Well, I don't think I don't it can know. be, I don't think it can be literal, right? Yeah, I, think, I don't I think know, it could be literal. I know, but still, I just, I know it, you, it needs to be there. It's metaphorical. Right. But at the same time, I was just like, yeah, I don't, I like quite fully understand okay. it so that's i mean it's it's just because i liked it the least doesn't mean it was bad or yeah. it didn't belong nope. it's just like out of everything i think i just had a hard time yeah grasping yeah. it so. I, I get it i get it i i wasn't a huge fan of that as well but i i, I think the thing i liked the least actually was the ending um i think the ending in the movie so I, I don't think i'm spoiling anything because i won't tell anybody what it is but i think they could have done a lot more with how the movie is resolved you know i didn't have a problem with the resolution I, and, and I think they raised some very interesting ideas, but and, and I am very much a fan of leaving a movie ending up for interpretation, but they didn't really do that, right? And, and I think they, they really did kind of abruptly come to an end, and then they just stopped. And, and, there, and, there is, and it's not a, a way in which, you know, you are meant to interpret what happens at the end. It's pretty freaking clear to it's me. It's clear, but I think... That's what I'm. That's what I was saying about what I didn't like about the movie. Yeah. Is, is kind of the not the ending, but 
I don't. I can't give it away. Well, but... I'm frustrated with the ending. That, that's my because I I love uh, movies that leave things open for interpretation. I know. I you think do. I think this movie could have done that in a very very good in a very uh, good way. I mean, there's a lot of things there that were left open, a lot of themes there that were left open. That's why I love David Lynch movies. I love the fact that the, the credits roll and you want to talk about it and figure out what happened. Here, it wasn't that. So I felt like two-thirds of the movie was a great lead-up, and the last third of the movie was kind of a letdown. Um, it was just kind of like, okay, wind well, it up, guys. It was kind of like, <laughs> this is what it is, but at the same time, I'm like, what is this? Like, they didn't really clearly explain it. And, and I don't think they had to, but I do think they could have done more with not explaining it. <laughs> I know it's hard to say. Anyway. They couldn't explain it. They barely explained I mean, there was some revelations there, but at the same time, I mean, we don't know where it came from. Why is it there? Like well, a true. lot of things about it that I I don't want to say because I don't want to give away the movie. But well, that's very 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 American view of the movie. Just wanted to know exactly where everything <laughs> came from. Let's tie it up in a bow and end the movie. Okay. I like that. All right, all right, all right. Well, okay. So I, so I I think we kind of are, are in sync as to what we don't like there. Give us a scare meter now. How scary was this movie on a on a zero to ten? Ten being the scariest um, and zero being like I watched it in movies. I think I'm gonna give it. Can I do points? Well, it's points. Yeah, out of ten. No, like, can I do a point five? Oh, I mean, you can do whatever you want. This is oh, our podcast. Okay. <laughs> you can do anything you want. I don't want to mess want, up the system I mean, because seven three. No, no, it's not that scary. Okay. That, I, I, I was good. I was in between a four and a five. No, so, four and a five. Okay. Yeah. So if I was gonna do a like point, I would give it a four point five. Okay, I, I would give it a six. I think that the uh, the amount of anxiety that the atmosphere creates and the acting really, really did create a little bit of this tenseness. And I really enjoyed that part of it. I think the story could have used some work, but I think that the, the setting the scene and, and actually the non-dialogue scenes were the best scenes. And I agree. I think there was a tenseness there, but again, because I guess uh, there was like this issue for me with like, I'm not sure what's exactly going on. And some of the parts I found kind of comical. So for that reason, right. I, it, and it, but it was horror. Okay. If you watch this movie, it is horror because yeah, definitely. some of the scenes were horrific. It was absolutely, <laughs> no, this is the thing though. It was absolutely body horror. This actually reminded me a lot of Cronenberg movies. Yeah, uh, I agree. The yes. fact that there was a I lot agree, of, yes. a lot of body horror there. I mean, there were people with missing faces and all sorts of stuff. And it was a lot of weird stuff that I expect to see out of uh, a David Cronenberg mm-hmm. film. So mm-hmm. I think that was that element of horror for sure. Mm-hmm. It was almost like um, it made you uncomfortable. Everything made you uncomfortable. It wasn't maybe not, not the, you know, jump back and scream, but more of uh, such as extreme discomfort and in, 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 in conjunction with the tense nature of the scene that they set. That well, I I, yeah, well, I, because something is going on and you're not sure what it is. And you see, I don't know if this is giving it away, but you see people slowly kind of, deteriorating yeah and and that's that's the body horror part yeah that's the Cronenberg part and so you're like okay what's going on there right and I and I actually I was like it because it was was metaphorical in many ways all right so let's let's stop there and give us your star rating out of four um I give it a 2.5 me too I gave it a 2.5 I think for different reasons though but yes I gave it also give it a 2.5 out of four okay so everybody uh, this is Matriarch, the 2022 British film, streaming now on Hulu, uh, the tomato meter, according to the um, 82%. Yes, uh, critics, I'm sure critics would have loved this. Only movie. 11 reviews, though, so you got to give it some time. That's true. But still, 82% yeah. pretty good. Audience score, actually 44%, interestingly yeah, enough. That, yeah. Audience not as uh, thrilled with it. So anyway, we both give it a two and a half. I think it's worth watching this Halloween season. I think so, too. Right. I, something different. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think that it's a fun movie to watch. All right, let's go ahead and hit the boxing bell on that one, and let's get on to our player props that we dare to make in week eight of the NFL. Why don't you go ahead and start us off here, Joanne? Uh, so my first bet is going to be Tyreek Hill, and it is 84.5 uh, receiving yards, okay. and I picked the over on that. The over on 84.5 for Tyreek yeah. Hill, the uh-huh. Miami Dolphins. All right, why is that? So the Miami Dolphins are playing the Detroit Lions, who are 1-5 in five this year. Not a big surprise. Nope. And uh, with a below <laughs> mediocre passing defense. That's true. So they've allowed an average of 249.3 passing yards per game. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they're, they've uh, did a pretty good job letting those, uh, letting those receivers catch the ball. Yep. So Hill has had three games that have been under 84.5, mm-hmm. and two of those games were under 50 yards. So he's been doing pretty well for himself in Miami. And yeah. I believe you said in the beginning of the season that he was going to be a real game changer for the Miami Dolphins. Right. And that really has been the case. Yep. I And something that I think Patrick Mahomes has kind of been missing, but has been doing okay with his receivers. And Travis Kelce, right? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) mean, yeah, he still has Travis Kelce, but I mean, like, Tyreek Hill has really, like, when you watch him play, like, he has really made some difficult catches. Absolutely, absolutely. And his impact and his positive impact on the Dolphins. And as compared to his negative impact on the Chiefs, is way different than, say, Devonte Adams, who yeah. had a much more distinct impact on oh, the team he yeah. left, the Packers, oh, my and God. and yeah. had a positive impact on the Raiders, but not so much in terms of the scoreboard. Yes, I mean that's definitely true. But again, Devonte Adams, he's also gone to the Raiders, and he's made some incredible catches. Uh, absolutely, that, no, no doubt about it. Yeah. He's definitely one of the top top five receivers in the NFL, but. Uh, in a situation that's not really uh, featuring him like the way Tyreek Hill's impacting the Dolphins. Yes, right. At least when Tua's yeah. playing. Without Tua, well, all bets are off. Well, I got to say, even without Tua, like he goes out there and he's been able to, you know, make a difference. Oh, I mean, granted, no, they didn't win. Well, but, that's, that's, I mean, that's yeah. all that matters at the end. I, think, I mean, honestly. I, yes, I guess because he didn't win. But regardless of the fact, I mean, he's been a really big asset um, okay. for Miami. Right. And so Tua returned last week and of course, like they they won, breaking yeah. a three week you know, losing streak. Yeah, though Tua wasn't didn't look a hundred percent. No, he, he didn't. probably will he have didn't. another week to get better. But like, but they still went out there, and I think that's where Tyreek Hill makes a difference. Sure. Because even without Tua being a hundred percent, if they're on the same page, they could make something happen, and I think that's what he brings to the table in Miami. Right. Like, because he is a very smart player. Tyreek Hill is a very smart player. And he really, and, and with his experience, really anticipates, like, where the ball can go. And, right. I mean, so just for that reason, um, you know, with the Lions defense being so poor and, you know, Tyreek Hill being Tyreek Hill, Tua back in the quarterback, you know, position, mm-hmm. making the, you know, definitely making the offense stronger. Yep. Uh, I just don't see why, you know, he will not, you know, be the top target heading towards the end zone. Right. And the question is, is I know that the Detroit Lions know this as well. They know that, you know, Tyreek Hill is, is probably going to be that guy. Right. But, uh, but the big question is, Will the Detroit Lions be able to stop them? Well, they won't have any. They, right, they know who to stop. They like, don't know. They don't right. have the ability to stop them. So I think that Tyreek Hill will definitely be able to 
you know, go over the 84.5 receiving yards. Okay, Tyreek Hill, over 84.5 total receiving yards. So I also have a wide receiver as my first pick. I have Gabe Davis of the Buffalo Bills, and over under of 57.5 receiving yards versus the Green Bay Packers. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take the over on 57.5 receiving yards of the Green Bay Packers. Now, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, they are going to struggle this weekend against a well-rested Buffalo Bills team who are coming off a bye week. They lost to the Giants, Jets, and Commanders, all teams in which the Packers were favored. They are not favored anymore. No. And and the Rodgers managed to throw his entire team under the bus. He did. He is like, I cannot believe what a jerk he is. I mean, <laughs> I always said that to begin with. Right. But, like, he has reached a new high. Well, or low, depending on how you look at low, it. Low, yes. Low <laughs> or high, yes. High, like, high being a jerk and low being, you a know. Jerk. <laughs> a jerk. Jerk, jerk. Anyway, the point being is that the Packers, they're going to have some problems on offense. They haven't figured it out. Alan Lazard probably out this weekend as well. Uh, I don't know who he's going to throw to because he doesn't trust anybody out there. That being said, the Packers still do have a top-end cornerback in Jair Alexander uh, who will likely shadow top Buffalo Bills wide receiver Stephon Diggs most of the day, which means to me that – we'll have plenty of room for Gabe Davis to roam. And he's going to have plenty of opportunity to accumulate yards. He had 74 yards in week seven. He had 171 yards in week six. I really do like his chances to exceed 57.5 this week. I don't think the Bills are taking the foot off the gas. I think they are going to just lay into the Packers. Yes. I, I also think that too. And you're not wrong. And I really think that all of Aaron Rodgers' uh, offensive line is going to really let him down because yeah, they yeah. want to. Yeah, sure. Yeah, they're like, screw you, Mr. <laughs> Rodgers. And, but so Gabe Davis, over under 57.5 receiving yards. I am taking the over on 57.5 receiving yards. Yeah. What do you got as your second pick? I'm going to say, I don't think that's so much of a dare, though, that pick. It's a dare. I don't it's know. A dare. You can, anybody can make the bet, guys. It's all worth the same money. <laughs> so my next pick is a running back, Damian Pierce. And he is 69.5 rushing yards. And I'm going to pick the over. Okay. And this, I think, is a very daring pick. Okay. So, for the faint of heart, uh, you know, I'm going to warn you right now. Damian Pierce, you know, he's been a force this season. He's really broken out as the – Yeah, right? He's taking over. He's a rookie running back, Damian Pierce, for Houston Texans. Really broken out. Basically, their only offensive weapon at this point. Yes, And the funny thing is everybody knows it. Nobody can stop him. But, like – I just think, like, you know, he just has that ability to to break that line and okay. see what he has to do. Yep. And so he's had two games that has been under 69.5 this season. Okay. And one of them, uh, one of those two games, it was 69 rushing yards. Okay. So. Pretty close. It was very, very close. I mean, this is what this guy could do. Right. So Tennessee Titans are coming off a bye. Yep. And. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know, depending on if you're a Titans fan fan or you're a Houston Texans fan, but they are the, they've allowed the fourth fourth least rushing yards this season. Okay. So, I mean... So it was surprising to me that their um off defense has been that good. Yeah, their the, rush their you know, the rushing defense has right. been that good. Right. I mean you're not gonna say that for the passing offense, nope. but for the rushing but so like they've averaged ninety six point eight yards per game. Uh they have allowed that much. Yes, they've yeah. allowed that much. Right. Yes. So uh but No I'm one else thinking, is running the ball there. It's yeah, just Damon Fields. I'm thinking that you know what? Nine nine sixty nine point five is is less then. 96.8. 96.8. Yeah, no, no, no. And nobody else is running the ball. I mean, it's really his entire, he's the backfield. So I have to, I have to think like, you know what? 
if anyone could do it, Damian Pierce will be able to beat that number. Okay. So Damian Pierce, over yeah. under 69.5 yeah. rush yards. You got the over I got the on 69.5 yes. rush yards. And that is a daring For Damian one. Pierce, yes. running back for the Houston Texans. All right. I also have a running back for my second pick. I have Travis Etienne. And his pet prop bet this week is over under 69.5 rushing yards against the Denver Broncos. I am taking the over for Travis Etienne on 69.5 rush yards. Now, over the last three weeks, with the Jaguars slowly transitioning from James Robinson as a lead back to Travis Etienne, Etienne has averaged 90.3 rush yards per game. Now the Jaguars have traded Robinson to the New York Jets. He's not there anymore, folks. So Etienne has the backfield essentially to himself. The Broncos have allowed 112.9 rush yards per game to this point. And Etienne is no competition. He has no competition in the backfield whatsoever. Now, so I really do like his chances to get the most out of that and most definitely exceed 69.5 rush yards. No one else is running the ball there. He has the ball to himself for the first time this season. He's already exceeding that by 20 yards per game, even with James Robinson, even when James Robinson was there. So I think that's a no-brainer. Travis Etienne over 69.5 rush yards versus the Denver Broncos. Yeah, that's a pretty good one too, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. So that brings us to the end of our show. Let's hit the air horn on the show. All right, Joanne, why don't you give us your uh, social media so people can follow you? Twitter at Kung Fu for you. All right, so give her a follow and let her know what you think about her picks. She's actually been doing pretty well this year. Uh, so far, I think you only got one wrong. Isn't that right? No, I don't think that's is, right. Is it two wrong? I think it might be three. Three? Yeah. No, come on. Well, we'll get those correct numbers for you. All right, and, all right, all right. So maybe I'm over. Okay, so maybe she's not that great. But so maybe you sign on to our Twitter and you go ahead and tell her how much you think that her kicks are terrible. That's fine too. Well, you can find me at uh, Twitter on at FB Garbage Time. You can find me at Facebook at the Football Garbage Time page. As usual, thank you for listening and wasting time for us. Wasting time with us. Don't waste time for us. Waste time with us. And go out there and make your NFL bets. Enjoy our enjoy our weekly scares and dare to make some money this week. Thank you for listening, everyone. Bye, everyone. Enjoy the game. <laughs>